Welcome to the IBCD Care and Discipleship Podcast. My name is David Wojnicki. I serve on the advisory board here at IBCD. I'm also privileged to serve as lead pastor at Valley Center Community Church. And here today as part of the Summer Institute that we're doing, I have my guest, Pastor Brian Borgman. Brian, so good to have you with us. Thanks for coming. It's great to be with you guys. Let me give just a little background for those of you that might not be uh, familiar uh, with Brian and correct me on any of this information if I'm not correct, but you serve as a pastor at Grace Community uh, Church. Um, you have done some of your work in the Master of Divinity from uh, Western Conservative Baptist uh, Seminary and then uh, your doctorate at Westminster Seminary in California. And actually, that was one of the first questions I wanted to ask you. Um, what did you write on for your uh, demon project there at Westminster? I wrote on uh, Albert Martin's Theology of Preaching. And uh, so uh, for the layperson there that hears <laughs> that, um, what, did, what did you learn from that project that maybe you took into ministry? Well, I think it helped me immensely just because um, Al Martin, who of course has been, at least in some circles, a very influential preacher for, for decades, um, really kind of learned preaching from, uh, in a sense, sort of the old masters of mm. preaching. Mm. So he he had certain emphases um, in teaching preaching to students mm. that uh, are greatly lacking in a lot of today's homiletic-type classes in seminary. And so, you know, we don't typically think about the act of delivery, for instance, in preaching. And so things like that. And um, I really, really enjoyed it. I met Jim Newheiser there. So (laughs) So some of the connection that began and uh, continues to this this day. Um, I want to talk in just a little bit about some of what you're sharing here at the Summer Institute. But I want to begin with just a little bit of your own personal journey in your walk with the Lord. Uh, Tell us a little bit how the Lord drew you to himself and then... um, Maybe expound about it. Tell us a little bit about your family, too, and uh, sure. the wife and the children that God's blessed you with. Sure. Um, I was raised uh, by two very loving parents who are about to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. And we were raised in a uh, fairly good Catholic home. And when I was about 12, I think, my mom came to faith in Christ. So this was maybe about... 78, 79, right right around in there. And my dad soon followed suit. I thought they were going crazy. <laughs> um, I mean, they were reading the Bible. You know, as Catholics, we didn't, we didn't really read the Bible. You just went to Mass, you know, and if you did it regularly in confession, it, you were good. And they were reading the Bible and talking about Jesus, and, and I was determined I would remain Catholic. God just crushed my heart. Mm-hmm and made me aware of my sin, and I started reading the Bible. Mm. And God really brought me to Himself through reading Scripture and um, really changed my life. Um, And so I lived my my teenage years. I was about 13 when I came to Christ. Lived my teenage years as a a committed believer. Uh, Ended up going to public high school, growing up in Catholic schools, of course, and uh, just felt a real determination to be a a witness for Christ and sensed a call to ministry, pursued that educationally, and 
1987, I married Ariel, who is uh, the love of my life. I loved the session earlier on, uh, you know, friendship on fire kind of thing. We, I just have a terrific wife, and so we're about ready to celebrate um, some years of marriage. <laughs> not, not long enough, right? <laughs> yeah, not nearly long enough. I have a daughter. She is married to an outstanding Christian man whom we've known for years. Um, yeah, so there was a great family connection, and he's a police officer and loves his job. They have given us three outstanding grandsons, Best Calvin, part. Owen. Yeah, absolutely. If we'd have known grandkids were this much fun, we'd have just skipped the whole kids part. But um, Calvin, Owen, he's about two and a half, and then we have uh, twin grandsons. Oh, wow. And they're just a ton of fun. They're nine months old. And then I have two sons, uh, Zach, who is uh, 23 or 24, and uh, uh, his birthday is coming up, so, so it's, works, it's, it's, it works. And then Alex, who is who is 20. And so uh, love my boys, and no matter how big they get, I mean, they both are way bigger than I am, but um, they're still my little boys, you know? Yeah, uh, so. yeah. Oh, that's, I know that family plays a significant uh, part in your life and in, in your ministry and your and your partnership with your, your dear wife and... Uh, might have some time to talk a little bit more about about those things, but um, one of the things that I wanted to draw just even the listeners' attention to, you wrote a book uh, a little while back, um, Feelings and Faith. Um, great book. Uh, I've appreciated reading it. Um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about what led you to read that book and, and even the kind of the central theme of what it was that you felt like God was leading you to communicate in, in the writing of it. And yeah, I'll try to keep it short, but and I forget what year it was, but uh, our church is, I would say, very doctrinally minded, very theologically minded, and one of the things that I didn't want to see happen in our in our congregation were, was people um, becoming so um, uh, academically enamored with theology that they, in a sense, neglected um, the emotions, which I had been convinced that, you know, the Lord Jesus, perfect humanity, of course, displays the full range of human emotions in the Gospels. And so I set out to preach maybe two or three sermons on on what the Bible says about the emotions, and it ended up turning into about like 22 sermons. So we had put those up on Sermon Audio, and they were, they, to this day, they are still the most listened to sermons that we have posted, especially things like on anxiety and depression and things like that. And uh, in 2007, I had a severe back injury. I was laid up for about three months. And really what I started doing is just putting those sermons into manuscript form, reading on more things than, than I had time to in the sermon prep. Uh, Crossway showed some interest um, in in the book. And I think that it ends up being a helpful counseling book simply because uh, it deals with the role of the emotions in, in, in the human constitution in terms of what we are. And, you know, because so many times we think that the emotions are uh, irrelevant or could be relegated to the caboose, so yeah, to speak, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> And yet, I think that they're far more significant. And so we basically talk about 
uh, how to cultivate uh, godly emotions, how to mortify or put to death ungodly emotions. Uh, and so uh, God God has, has used it, and I'm thankful, you know, in retrospect for back surgery. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I wasn't at the time. Problems but <laughs> yes, so. And in the realm of biblical counseling, uh, we we find that people come and they'll sit across from us and emotions are very much on the forefront of, of at least people's dispositions, if, if you will. And, uh, and so what is some of the encouragement or counsel that you would give to somebody who's a biblical counselor who is potentially in a, dealing with somebody who's in an emotionally charged situation? What are the things that you'd say, hey, be aware of this, mm-hmm. you know, be cautious of this. Are there, is there some practical, you know, practical insights that you might give just right off the top of your head? Yeah, I would say that as a, as a biblical counselor, one, we can't afford to um, ignore the way people end up feeling because whether you're dealing with somebody that needs to forgive somebody or you're dealing with a person that has uncontrolled uh, anger, the fact is, is that the emotions play a significant role. And so you have to be aware not just of maybe faulty thinking patterns or sinful behavior patterns, but how are the emotions at play here? Are they are, are they being are they driving the person, which is often the case? Um, and I would say then secondly that we need to be very much aware of the relationship between the way that we think and the way that we feel and. So part, at least in my uh, perspective, one of the burdens of, of biblical counseling is to get people thinking biblically, which in turn, I think, helps realign their emotions. Absolutely. Uh, we can't just tell people, you know, your emotions don't matter. Um, and, and I think it's a terrible thing to tell people that God doesn't care about how you feel. He just wants you to do the right thing. Sure. I think Paul actually nullifies that theory in mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 13. Mm-hmm. You can do all the right things, right? But if you don't have love, right. which is more than emotion, but it's never less, uh, then it amounts to nothing. You know, you can't say to your wife, I love you, and but I don't really feel anything for you. That so so trying to help people get those things together. The fact that you can have a renewed mind, which actually helps renew your affections in the right direction, is an important part. I, I appreciate hearing that because there is a tendency to want to downplay emotions or to say you know we can't really do anything until we get the emotions in check. But uh, I often find that when I'm counseling an individual. Uh, I like to tell them that, look, emotions, they're, they're, they're God-given, and they're an indication that something is going on. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so let's, let's help, let's utilize God's Word to, to, to point us in that direction. What, what needs to be addressed here? And, uh, and so that word, I think, that you spoke there, that's important for counselors to, to know and to, and to be aware of. You're in one of those positions where not only God has given you an opportunity to, to do um, significant counseling. Uh, you also have this role of pastor, which absolutely includes biblical counseling. And uh, and so how have you seen the training that, that you've gotten in the realm of biblical counseling impacting you in the pastoral ministry, one? And then how have you seen just the pastoral ministry helping to inform maybe uh, how you reach out to those uh, who, who have counseling needs? So kind of 
um, I guess what I'm saying is, have you seen the street go both both ways? That you know, mm-hmm. your biblical counseling training is helping you in the pastoral ministry, and then being a pastor, you know, has helped you to minister in, in a biblical counseling realm as well. Yeah. Um, when I went to seminary for my MDiv, I didn't get training in biblical counseling. It was uh, much more of an integrationist approach. Mm-hmm. The guy was a very nice man, but I started reading Jay Adams on my own, sure. and which of course provoke the ire of some, you know. Why are um, you doing that? Exactly. Uh, you're going to end up being a really mean person if you keep reading that book. <laughs> um, but to me, it just made sense because it was based on the sufficiency of Scripture. And um, and so that just sort of led me down a, a path of, of my own. Mm. Um, and then when we finally got to uh, Nevada, um, you know, I'd end up meeting Jim, coming to IBCD, continuing to read the books that I thought were helping me. Um, There's really nothing that is better for you than to know that you're dealing with a person who has, you know, X, Y, and Z problems, and then calling Jim and saying, what should I read on this, you know, or do you have a resource, and just kind of immersing yourself that way. And so I think that in, in the context of our own church, um, what we have seen is not only people in our own congregation utilizing um, me and, and our other elders and, and some very gifted women in our church, many of whom have taken advantage of training like IBCD, but also people outside of our church start to hear they do biblical counseling there, yeah. and you end up getting people that are just hungry to hear how God would address the issues of their own hearts. Um, one thing I would add, because we do in adult Sunday school, we do the um, uh, the care and discipleship program. Yeah, great. But years ago, probably about maybe 98, 99, we actually had Jim come and do a series of biblical counseling seminars, sort of like an intro class. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to instill in our congregation, uh, even back then, which is now you know quite a few years ago, the idea that that sort of Jay Adams thing is that you you are as God's people you are competent you are equipped to counsel if you have the Spirit of God and you know the Word of God you can help each other, and and that's been I think just a. a a great blessing to our congregation. Mm-hmm. Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Exactly. And I've read that somewhere, and it's somewhere, so true. It's, it sounds good. <laughs> Some guy named Paul, maybe. I can. I think I can. Um, you, you talk about, um, often when I've heard you speak, just some of your own life experiences, which I think is always wonderful, not just pastorally, within your own family. Uh, one of the things that I know that you've additionally written on, not just feelings and faith, but uh, is the issue of adoption and, and caring for those who are, are going through adoption or who have adopted. Uh, that's something that's close to my heart, having an adopted child as well. Um, Share with us just a little bit, and, and maybe not just so much about what you wrote there in the book, um, but share with just those who are biblical counselors or pastors, what would you encourage them to be aware of for those in their congregation or those who have come might come to them because they've adopted children and mm-hmm. there's potential struggles that have come about 
because it's a unique situation bringing a child in, into your home. And so what would you say, gosh, if I, if I could just sit down and only had a few minutes to, to share with somebody that's going to be put in that situation one day of ministering to a family who's adopted, um, what would you want to say to them? Well, I, I think that the, the very first thing that comes to my mind is um, if adoptive parents come to you, um, listen to what they have to say and realize that their struggles are real. They're, they're not just whining. They're not just complaining. They're not just bemoaning the fact that they didn't get the perfect kid. Uh, adoption has a dynamic that is unique. And, you know, some of the most harmful things that I've ever read about adoption happen to be in really good books on adoption. Mm. Just little things where, you know, it's not a syndrome, it's just sin, and it, they're just like any other kid. And the fact is, is that there are issues that many, not all, but many uh, adopted children deal with that, that make parenting them different than parenting your biological children. And uh, typically adoptive parents will feel guilty that uh, maybe their affections are not as strong, mm -hmm. uh, especially if they're going through hard times, sure. uh, as as it is for their own children, their biological children. Um, and the fact is, is that they're dealing with all kinds of things, oftentimes even secret shame for the way that they feel. And so be compassionate because they've done something that is, you know, very, very much a demonstration of the gospel and they need they need grace to to help them and so you know just kind of adding guilt onto guilt is they're going to go away discouraged and not want to talk to anybody mm -hmm. and right. so listen and be compassionate and realize that they're in a situation where uh, they may have a child that doesn't have um the natural affection mm -hmm. that um that maybe their biological children may have Mm. Um, when I used to read about things like uh, uh, reactive attachment disorder or, uh, you know, let alone things that are that are physiological, like fetal alcohol syndrome, sure, sure. Um, I used to kind of think, ah, well, whatever, um, they're just kids. Well, the fact is, is that those things have a, a, an incredible impact on, on, on that child's uh, mind and heart and sometimes creates incredible and, and, and difficult barriers for adoptive parents. And and for those who might be listening, the, the title of the book that you wrote on that, After They're Yours, The Grace and Grit of Adoption, I really would recommend that to anybody who's a biblical counselor just to have on their shelf for those situations uh, as they might arise. And uh, so I'm really grateful for that book myself and, uh, and just what it communicates. But I but I do commend that for, for anybody who might find themselves ministering in that way. Uh, let me just close with, with this, uh, our, our time here. Um, one additional question. Um, the whole title of uh, the conference that we've been doing here is Disordered Desires. You've had a couple of opportunities uh, to, to speak. And uh, in the sessions that, that you've had, um, as you've come here, what, what's, what's one of the things, maybe two of the things that have been in your heart to want to communicate in the seminars that you're speaking at, a message that you're hoping to get across. Yeah, um, to be honest with you, th this conference more than any of the other institutes um, that I've been involved with, to me has been sort of the most daunting because 
the the subject of course is incredibly relevant i mean it, increasingly so every single day and yet um in, incredibly challenging for us uh, to deal with and so uh, i think that for me um because of um, some physical limitations i i did two workshops normally i have a little fuller load but i was thankful for the reprieve but I, I guess there there are two parts, and and they both relate to the workshops I did. One is the way that the Bible deals with human sexuality, that it is an incredible gift from God, yeah. but it is to be used within the boundaries that He sets. Because once we begin to um, uh, abuse that gift, the the consequences are just deadly. And of course, there's always grace. There's there's always God's love and forgiveness through Christ. Uh, but the Bible gives us the warnings that it gives us, so that we don't go through that pain and and misery for ourselves and for others. The other part is, uh, in a sense, apologetic, um, wanting to equip the church to understand, uh, especially in terms of those. Um, so-called evangelicals that want to um, advocate for same-sex marriage, same-sex relationship, same-sex attraction, and, and actually deal with what their arguments are so that as biblical counselors, because I, I have no doubt that we're going to be encountering people that are more and more familiar with those arguments mm -hmm. as they come in for counseling. And as biblical counselors, we have to be equipped to know where people are coming from, how they think, how they think about Romans one, how they think about Genesis, you know, nineteen, um, how they think about what the Bible says about homosexuality and same-sex relationships. Um, and if we're not equipped in those areas, so that we kind of know where they're going to be coming from we may end up getting blindsided because we've never thought through the issues because we've just simply thought to ourselves, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible means, that's all I need to know. Sure. So that's kind of my burden for what I've been doing. Well, grateful that one, that God's given you that burden, but he's also given you the, the means to communicate that and do it so clearly and so well. And so thank you for coming this weekend. Thanks for being a part of this, giving your time to, to do that, to serve the church in its broader context. And uh, so grateful for, for you and for your ministry. So thanks for being a part of this, Brian. We thank appreciate you, it very much. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.